Broadway Sports Media. I hate Corey Davis. Corey Davis yeah. is going to be awful. He's probably going to be out for the year. Welcome to Football Another F Word. I am your host, Michael Gillum. As always, I'm joined by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can read articles by Mike Herndon, John Glennon, just to name a few, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go sign up now for a premium membership. We think you're going to love it. Uh, gentlemen, Titans are 3-0. and oh. And on that note, how are we doing this morning? I'm doing great. I, I feel I feel good. I feel good about this Titans team still. Um, not wavering. Not going to panic like some people that are want to overreact on Twitter. And let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's fun. It's fun to to have a, a three and O team to talk about with another three and O team coming into town. Uh, a big football game in Nashville this weekend that fans will actually some fans will be able to attend. Um, yeah, it's, I'm fired up. It's it's been a good start to football season. You know, we 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 downplayed the two and O last week. I feel like when we started off the show, so I wanted to you know uplift and let's start positive with the three and O because I think three and O is big. I agree. I regardless of how you feel about this three and O, and obviously we're about to get right into that and sound like hypocrites, but at the same time, your Tennessee Titans are three and O. So enjoy that, relish in it. But I got to throw out some names. The Titans are joining the Bills, the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Packers as the last remaining undefeated teams. Um, I, I want to start with Mike. Do you feel like the Titans belong with that group of teams I just named off? Um, I mean, it, on paper, yes. Uh, the way that they've played the first three games, I think they've been a little bit fortunate. Obviously, they haven't played their best football yet. Um, but and I'm I'm actually this this will be an article that will be up on BroadwaySportsMedia.com um, talking about some of the other teams who have gone through and won their first three games in narrow fashion and kind of how they've gone on. Um, so there's there's basically seven other teams besides this team that have done it: uh, the 76 Raiders, 79 Browns, 88 Bills, 91 Bears, 99 Patriots, 2004 Jaguars, and 2005. Uh, Washington, former Redskins. Um, of those teams, none of them had a losing record uh, at the end of the season. Uh, four of them won at least 10 games. And then one of them, the the 76 Raiders, went 13-1 and won and won the Super Bowl. So starting off with three close wins isn't necessarily a, a bad thing by any means. I mean, you definitely want three close wins over three close losses. Um, but – you know, you still do want to see the Titans play better football than what we've seen through the first three weeks. I, th I think it's kind of both, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm looking at this list, Bills, Chiefs, Steelers, Bears, Seahawks, Packers. And I I would say that we're fourth on the list, probably tied for fourth. So I guess tied for fifth. I don't really know how that works. But I think us and the Bills are pretty much on the same level. And I think the Chiefs, Seahawks, and Packers right now, you will would say are better. Listen. People can hype up the Steelers, and we'll get into it later. Uh, let's let's pump the brakes on how good the Steelers team is. And then, we, of course, the Bears is the Bears. They, they've just been lucky, in my opinion, to ha draw an easy schedule and to get 3-0 and with 
Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles is just old man Mitch Trubisky with uh, less athleticism. So let's let's not let's settle down there. Look, has it been pretty? No, but when you look at the division and the playoff race, we are three and zero. Not only is that good, but we have a conference win, a non-conference win, and of course a uh, div- non-divisional conference win. I guess is how you would say it. So to me, that's a good way to start 3-0 because right now you would lead all tiebreakers too against most teams. So when home field advantage comes down, when we get towards the end of the year, this 3-0, no matter how ugly it is, matters. Like, when's the last time that you can say that with certainty, if we don't make the playoffs, it is a catastrophic injustice to this team because by all intents and purposes of every stat and thing available, the playoffs are a lock at three, and zero already for us, technically close, close to it. I think 75% yeah. of teams have made it after going, after starting three, and zero, and that's with the old playoff format. Right. Now there's seven teams that get in from each conference. That number is going to be even better uh, moving forward. So I'd guess somewhere in the 80 to 90% realm of, playoff certainty at this point which is great i mean like you said that that's a phenomenal start to the season the one and oh uh division record helps tremendously too um and two of those wins being on the road too i mean we we you know i know it's weird we don't have fans at these games everything like that but the home field advantage is still an advantage you're playing in a familiar stadium you're sleeping in your own bed before the game you're not having to cram your six six 300 pound body onto a tiny airplane uh and and deal with the effects of going up into altitude or you know the the lower lower um you know levels of oxygen and everything like that in there where swelling it starts to affect your body more and that that is a real problem for professional athletes and traveling so you know there is there's other benefits to being at home besides just a bunch of you know loud fans Um, And the Titans have a bunch of home games coming up. Does it bother you that the Titans, they just have not seemed to put together a complete game yet? Three, three wins in Uh, a little bit. I mean, they, they, they definitely haven't put together a complete game yet, but uh, if you think about, think back to this time last year, uh, the Titans were coming off uh, (laughs) the debacle in Jacksonville um that had followed the previous debacle against the Colts so uh they were one and two and had played one great game and two really really ugly games um so I mean and that team got better as the season went long went along the 2018 Titans Vrabel's first Titans team got better as the season went along I think there's precedent for Vrabel as a coach developing his team as the season progresses is a sign of a good coach in my opinion and I think Yes, you'd like to see them play better. Yes, you'd like to see them beat the brakes off some bad football teams. But uh, this team's not going to be the same in week 13, week 17, the playoffs, as it is today. It's it's going to evolve. It's going to change. And it's going to be who evolves the best, I think, that, that ends up, at the end of the day, mattering the most. I guess it would bother – It does. The I guess the wins – overcome the feeling of incomplete games for me because like mike said if you look at recent titans history we'd probably be 
if this was any other team that in, you know, recent Titans history, in my opinion, just because that we've won these games, I'm willing to overlook some incomplete parts of our game just because no AJ Brown, no Dory Jackson. Uh, We still don't have a full outside linebacker rotation. Um, so to me, and then we may be out low on for a week at, as of this recording on Tuesday morning, we aren't sure uh, when he'll be back. So why, and we still don't have our first round pick Isaiah Wilson. That may not be that big of a deal because Dennis Kelly so far has played really well. So to me, and we've also overcome some kicking woes at the beginning of the year. So to me, like, yeah, I would love to see us beat the brakes off a team. But escaping 3-0 and out of this, you know, kind of weird year and weird start to the schedule, I think I'm good. I mean, I, I need to see us play the Colts at this point because now the Colts have started to come on and starting to gel. But like Mike said, we will do that too. We will get better. When A.J. Brown comes back and he's fully healthy from this uh knee thigh bone bruise thing whatever he's got and then uh, when Dory Jackson comes back and all this stuff like we're only going to be able to get better when all these players come back so being a little sloppy with new pieces like Jadavid Clowney who really hadn't had the time to condition and mesh with this team and then there's Jonathan Joseph who's pretty slow and then Christian Fulton and Chris Jackson being thrust into starting spot spotlights and stuff like, okay, I understand. And then also we'll get to it in a minute. Shane Bowen did not travel with the team. So like, I kind of understand our defense looking a little disjointed for right now, but it will get better. It can only get better. Right. And ask, ask the 2019 Titans again, 2019 Titans went to the AFC championship game, but ask the 2019 Titans, if they could pick a couple of, games that were quote-unquote incomplete change those to wins and maybe have grabbed a home playoff game so because when you start to get towards the end of the season you're not thinking about how the team started three and oh and were those incomplete wins um let me ask this three and oh what does it mean for the titans as in as far as the afc south the titans are the only undefeated team in the afc south right now the colts are two and one jags are one and two texans are one and three zach just kind of hit on it with it's time to kind of see what the Colts are made of. Mike, out of that group of teams I just named, do any of them give you pause? And what does it mean for the Titans to be 3-0 and against their AFC South foes? Yeah, I think it's huge to get out to an early lead because in recent years, we've mostly seen the Titans lag behind and then spend the whole season chasing. So the whole season, they're chasing the Texans or chasing the Colts. Um, and this Three and zero start. You know, even if it is a little bit fortunate, gives the Titans a chance to front run a little bit, and that's that's a good position to be in. I mean, you're not chasing. Um, you know, you don't have to make up games. You're not trying to overcome a. I mean, last year the Titans started zero two in the AFC South. By this point, they were they were in a big time hole in the division, and that's that's not the case this year. That that's a huge difference. Um, I do think that Colts look pretty good the the defense specifically looked really good now last week it was the jets uh the week before that it was um who did who did the colts beat in week two um it was 
the Vikings. That's right. Uh, so, I mean, they're not beating, you know, any, any teams that you feel like are top of the top shelf uh, kind of teams at the moment, but they do have the bears this week. So be interesting to see how that game p- plays out. But I think the Colts are pretty legit. I, I think they're going to be around. I, you don't want to shovel dirt on the Texans just yet because we saw them come back from an O three hole uh, just what, two years ago. Um, so it is possible, but I don't see it happening this year. The, the, the Colts and Titans are way better than they were in that uh, 2018 season when the Texans did crawl out of the grave. Uh, it's not happening again this year. This is a two team race. Yeah. And to me, like Mike said, just, it seems like every year we're coming down to that last game of the season against the Texans or against the Colts, whoever it may be, a divisional opponent that we have to win and get in or we have to win or whatever. Now it kind of feels like we don't have to worry so much about that last game. Like as a fan, we don't have to worry about, okay, well, this team has to win this last game of the year. But but he's right. It's It's time – the Colts have a really good quarterback behind center at this point, better than Jacoby Brissett, better than what they've faced in the past outside of Andrew Luck. You got to beat the Colts. So let's get to uh, Titans defensive play caller Shane Bowen to not travel with the team. This came out on Monday from Paul Kaharski and Buck Rising. Paul Kaharski, uh, Paul Buck Rising of A to Z Sports had combined to report the defensive play caller Shane Bowen did not travel with the team. Paul Kaharski later confirmed on the Midday 180 radio show in Nashville that he is in COVID protocol. Uh, quickly, I mean, does this answer some of the defensive woes strangeness that we saw against the Minnesota Vikings some because a coach doesn't take bad angles and a coach doesn't miss tackles and blow coverage however he can help when he sees that a problem is arising like what we saw he can help make the adjustments on the fly it's really hard for Vrabel to do the game in-game calling and in-game coaching while the offense is on the field to try to do the adjustments for the defense so Shane could possibly have cured some of our later game woes or later in the game woes, but he doesn't play the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think at the end of the day, uh, yes, it hurts having your defensive signal caller. Um, kind I mean, we of saw surprised. with DPs two years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, I swear this is the Titans were the only team that this has happened to in my memory, and it's happened to them twice in the past three years. So it's kind of a crazy situation. But, um, you know, being without Bowen certainly, I, I think, puts more on Brable's plate. And he said that, you know, he shifted, you know, some duties to Craig Ackerman, uh, the special teams coordinator. And then, and then Brable was obviously calling the defensive plays on Sunday. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I don't think Vrabel necessarily as a play caller, maybe that's not necessarily his gift. You know, I think, I think he's a great head coach, great leader, uh, great developer of talent, great eye for coaching talent. Um, but de- actually calling the plays in game, I think the track record is pretty bad overall at this point. So I think maybe getting Bowen back will help some, it's not like it was that great the week before, to be honest, but, um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a strange situation, and he may be out this week. We don't know what the the quarantine and protocol situation is going to be, so it, it might just be a, a deal where he's out for a week or two. Zach says that he would like to make an apology, so Zach, the floor is yours. 
Well, I'm going to have to apologize, and I don't do it very often, but I might have to apologize, Stephen Kaskowski, because these last two weeks, after me trashing him and trashing the signing initially, these last two weeks, he's been very clutch, unlike Trevor Simeon, who still has not made the team, Mike, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but Stephen Kaskowski has been very, very clutch, and... You have to admit it, he looks like old Steven Guskowski, and this looks like another John Robinson, Mike Vrabel combo move where they take someone else's, you know, little guy that everybody gave up on, a la Ryan Tannehill, and he's still the same guy or uh, even a better version of him. I mean, like, this is, this is, I don't want to hear any more about kicking woes at this point because to me, and I apologize to you, Stephen Guskowski. You've earned oh, some leeway going forward, as long as you don't get too crazy in a Bills game and go like 0 for 16 or something. But to me, like he's hitting 55 yarders, and that's something that I didn't really think he he had left in the tank. And he's doing it on a regular basis. It feels like now. It feels like it's nothing for him. And look. As a fantasy owner who had Harrison Butker last night or on Monday night, and he failed to hit field goals that were 20 something yards and failed to hit extra points. Praise be to Steven Guskowski, the (laughs) god of kicking. Hey, in that 55 yarder, the the game winner, it was clear by a good five to 10 yards. Uh, that, That one's good from 60, at least maybe 65. I mean, he crushed that thing. Yeah. He, and right down the middle. It, we have a legit kicker who I did not think was going to be a legit kicker. And, you know, I feel bad for Greg the leg because I was a Greg Joseph believer. But Stephen Godkowski, I'm all in on. I really, I love, I love that in his apology, he still had to find a way to not only dig at Trevor Simeon, but to kind of <laughs> remind us that, he will he'll he'll pull his apology at any time. Yeah, that's but right. That's right. If Gostowski if has God forbid two two bad games coming up, I kind of feel like this apology will be rescinded very quickly. <laughs> always leave an out. <laughs> always always leave yourself an out. I I do agree with what you said, Zach. About uh, it, it at some point as a team as a fan, you just have to stop worrying about the kicking woes. Two thousand nineteen Titans were a different story because leading into it. It was obvious the, that the you know kicking game was having problems. So going into weekend, week out, having woes, and of course saw how poorly it went. That's a different story. But Kostowski starting off by missing as many kicks as he did in week one. Kicker kickers just have bad games. Kickers get in their own head, and it happens. Vrabel was correct to stick with Kostowski and ignore the hype to. Do the Titans just move on to another kicker? Do they start shopping? No. Titans had their man. They stuck with him. And Gostowski went six for six on the day, three for three in field goals over 50 yards, which is wild in its own right, and then ended up kicking a 55-yarder that put the Titans up by one point with 148 left in the game. That's as clutch as you can get. That's Any team out there would pay good money if they could buy one specific kicking game. I think – teams would pay a lot of money for that performance that Gostowski gave the Titans. Um, without that performance, 
the Titans lose that game. If you just look at it in a nutshell, the yeah. Titans lose it. The Titans are not three and O if they do not have their kicking game that are performing against the Vikings. So absolutely. It's, it's well-deserved. It's it, funny. I'm, I'm glad he's on the team. The three and O is bookend by a game where yes, Gostowski won the, the, the initial game by kicking, but we almost went three and O three and O despite the kicking. And now that we're booking, we went three and zero because of kicking. Like in three games, it's a wild career arc just for Stephen Gaskowski as a kicker. Yeah, and I'm I'm almost more confident because he had that bad game to start things off. Because that's the whole thing with kicking. I feel like is it's so much mental. One bad kick and it gets in your head, and you start thinking about your steps, and you start thinking about uh, I got to make sure I don't push it right this time, and then you pull it left. And yeah, I, I just feel like it's such a mental position, and him showing the mental fortitude um, to come back and and not only overcome it, but really start to thrive after after that uh, disastrous week one. I think it, it's a good sign for the rest of the season. I, I just don't see him slipping and, and falling into some disaster situation like the Titans had last year. And it, it, when you have a kicker that again, goes three for three on kicks over 50 yards, that extends your strike range a little bit, right. To where, you know, when you get a kicker that's, com- that's, uh, you know, confident in his kicking game, it extends your strike range a little bit so that if you have drives that are stalling and are failing out, even as you're getting down into just on the edge of the red zone, you start to get pushed back into the 35, the 40. That's a big thing to have a kicker that you feel like can confidently go out there and strike. Now, of course, I'm going to be a jerk and say of, you know, it it was indoors in an arena. There is that, but at the same time that, that I think that may factor into a kicker too. going six for six on the day is, is wild stuff. So Zach, uh, I appreciate your complete, an honest apology that has absolutely no exit clause and is going to 100% hold up throughout the season, despite Gostowski's troubles. It's a big man of you to, to do well, that. Well, thank you. I want to talk about that decision though. One of the decisions for the field goal, because you were talking about strike range and it reminded me of a tweet that came out uh, yesterday from EDJ sports at EDJ sports on Twitter. They uh, are a statistical analysis company that deals with the NFL Top five coaching errors for week three. The number one coaching error by their metrics, which is uh, the biggest change in game-winning percentage. Mike Vrabel, quarter four, minute 48 left, fourth and nine on Minnesota 37. Mike Vrabel calls to go for the field goal instead of going for it, and that dropped our game-winning chance uh, 9.8%. Now, Mike's boy... Your boy, Mike Zimmer, is on here twice. So <laughs> he owns two of the th- five top uh, five coaching errors because he's not a very good coach, which we saw firsthand this week. But what do you think about that, Mike? I mean, a win's a win, but obviously it's fourth and nine on a Minnesota 37. I think the strike zone uh, theory that Lebowski put out there holds some weight with how our coaching decision is going to be going forward. Yeah, and I I mean, I agree with the decision that, that Vrabel made in that instance because fourth and nine, I'd have to look at what the percentages are and everything, but I mean, they can't be very good um, for getting that. And, and you do, I, I get the, the idea that 
they were down, what was it? They were down five. Um, so a field goal only helped them a little bit and it only helped them if they could get the subsequent stop, get the ball back and then go get more points. But um, to Lebowski's point, you know, getting a field goal, um, you know, isn't, isn't quite as hard when all you have to do is get to the 35 yard line or, or around like somewhere between the 35 and the 40. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big um, zone to hit there. So I don't know. I, I felt like, I mean, fourth and nine, I would have been pretty shocked if he went for it, to be honest. I, I don't have a huge problem with him doing what he did there. A fourth and nine is, Talk about the middle game, nine yards on a fourth down play might as well be a half mile. I mean, that, that's a it, fourth and one, fourth and two is bad enough. You're asking someone to get almost a full first down is is a lot to ask for. So uh, I, I'm perfectly fine with the kicking decision there. Um, I want to uh, want to shift and talk about Harold Landry and, and specifically Harold Landry's snap count. He played 61 total snaps, only missed four snaps the whole game. Zach specifically to a snap count what what are you thinking there well he for the season okay there has been 199 defensive snaps he's played in 190 of them according to pro football reference now this is coming off a few weeks before the season started they specifically talked about mike rabel shane bowen i think even harold Landry himself about giving him some rest giving him some time and to maximize his ability as a pass rusher to give him some plays off. Well, nine plays off over three games. That's three plays a, a week off more than likely, you know, on average, that's not enough. And Roberson was play was practicing extremely healthy or was practicing in full before last week's game. And they decided not to activate him. Kamale Correa is only playing like 16 snaps a game. And when he was healthy, and that's when we only had three, so it's him and Clowney just out there constantly. And it looks like Correa really just goes in for Clowney for most parts. And then we get Vic Beasley back and Vic only plays 20 snaps, if I'm not mistaken. And so we see a tweet yesterday that Roberson is ready to sack Ben Roethlisberger. He puts out a tweet himself. So that means he's coming back, right? Let's hope. But even if you're bringing, like I said last week, even if you're bringing up Wyatt Ray for one game, you have to give Harold Landry some a break. It's, it's crazy to me that even Jayon Brown, Kenny Vaccaro, and Kevin Byard are both in 100% of the defensive snaps already. Jayon Brown especially. I'm not as surprised about Byard and Vaccaro because of their particular positions. But, I mean, like, Harold Landry has got to get a little bit of a break here. I mean, you maximize your talent the best when, they, when he has his speed and explosiveness off the edge. And... He's not going to ha- be able to give that to you if you're tiring him out, and you're tiring him out way early. It's He's not like Derrick Henry where he gets better as the game goes on. He he needs a break. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I, I think it's the snap count is unsustainable at outside linebacker right now. It's just it, – and I think the same thing, honestly, about Henry on the other side of the ball. But, um, you know, Landry is in great condition, and he's – really stayed strong late in games, even despite the the huge snap count. But over a 16-game season, I think you're going to just burn him out uh, if you keep playing him like this. Um, that being said, I it's I think the, the Titans pass rush, a lot of people have, have 
been harping on where's the pass rush or where's the pass rush because they're not rack, racking up a ton of sacks. The Titans are getting a lot of pressure. They actually got more pressure on Kirk Cousins than any other NFL team did on any other quarterback this week. Um, so they – and also Harold Landry and Jadevian Clowney currently both tied for second uh, in the NFL in quarterback hits with five each. So they're getting close. They're very, very close. Um, I think the pass rush has been better, and that's before you even go talk about Jeffrey Simmons' monster game. But I think the pass rush has been better than people think so far, and I think the secondary playing better would help them finish uh, some of those sacks or some of those pressures into sacks a little bit more frequently. But I agree with you. They got to get uh, uh, Landry off the field a little bit. Clowney, too, for that matter. Um, he's playing too many snaps, and hopefully – Beasley kind of easing easing back in, starting to work into the rotation helps that. I think ultimately you'd love to see Beasley get around 40% of the snaps while you know Landry and Clowney get, you know, somewhere in the 70% range, something like that. Mike, did Beasley give you any kind of indication in the game that uh him missing time was a problem, that he'd be able to get back up to speed? Uh, anything along those lines? You know, he looked pretty explosive on a couple pass rushes. He only played like, uh, I think it was like 18 snaps or 14 snaps. It was somewhere around there. It was less than 20. Um, so he didn't play a ton, and he didn't – he barely played against the run. It was almost exclusively uh, that, you know, kind of um, package where Clowney jumps inside, and then you've got Beasley and Landry on the outside. The package that I was super excited about watching and really did not disappoint. Um, you know, in in its first week together, but I, I thought Beasley looked okay on second watch. The my first watch, I didn't hardly notice him at all, but second watch, I, I paid close attention to him, and I thought he looked pretty good. He's he's definitely uh, got a ton of burst coming off that edge, and and when him and Landry are both flying off the edge, it really creates a situation where the quarterback cannot drop too far back, and then if you've got Simmons creating that push from the inside we're really Simmons and Clowney creating that push from the inside. Then you've got a real pass rush at that point. Cause you've got four guys that are really coming at you from all angles. And, and that's going to be fun to watch moving forward. I think. And right now, after three games, the Tennessee Titans rank fourth in percentage of defensive plays where they blitz. It feels like a unit that at any time is going to blow the dam open and have a big, big game. So I'm, I'm certainly excited to see it. I, the snap count is high, but let's just hope that they don't wear him out. I really hope that Vic Beasley gets up to speed quickly. Um, and I want to kick it off. Titans may be without Lawan. Uh, don't know, if, you know, what the time frame may be on that. But Zach, specifically to you. Are there other Titans stars that we're looking to get back uh, this week against Pittsburgh? We probably need to get a Dory back, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think we'll be fine uh, if A.J. Brown can't make it back, which for all intents and purposes, all reports, it sounds like we shouldn't expect him back this week. But we should expect a Dory Jackson back and Derek Roberson back. We have to get the defense up. Uh, we are generating pressure. We have the six most most plays that generate pressure uh, on 27% of our defensive plays, which is number six. So with Roberson added with the Dory Jackson back there covering, that's going to allow us a little more time to generate turnover pressures into sacks. And 
I think that it's for this particular game, we need to be able to generate pressure up the middle. Uh, I know the Steelers has a, have a banged up offensive line. They're still looking a little out of, out of sync. I've alluded to it earlier. It's a it's a fraud of a three and zero. Just because I mean they're not playing. They have they played Jeff Driscoll and barely beat Jeff Driscoll by five points. Okay, he threw thirty four passes that game, only completed eighteen of them. And and it, to me, like okay, this defense is really good, right? As far as they generate pressure on 46.5% of their snaps and they blitz 51% of the time. So we are going to have, it's going to be a slug fest. It's, I think that Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry will be fine, but we, our defense needs to match up with their defense to generate pressure on big Ben, making them feel uncomfortable. We can't let James Connor go off on us. We have to contain James Connor, but we got to have a Dory back to put him on Juju. I mean, he knows, a little bit about Juju because I mean, they both come from USC. I mean, they, they, they know each other and stuff. And like, to me, it, it's, it's a big game to get a Dory Jackson and Derek Roberson back in the lineup. I really hope that, that he have to, has to apologize to Jeff Triscoll at some point. I just don't want that. And I feel I need it in my soul. Mike, are you, who, what stars do you feel that the Titans need back? You know, the Denver Broncos, you know, they have history with Trevor Simeon and they would still rather roll out Jeff Driscoll than bring in Trevor Simeon. Just <laughs> wow. And he got, he managed to get another Trevor Simeon dig it. This is wow. it's impressive. Wow. It really is. I, all I want is a Jeff Driscoll apology at some point. <laughs> hey, uh, well, <laughs> I can't, I can't even, I can't even der- roll off of that. This derailed us. Sidetrack. <laughs> His Jeff Driscoll just jab just derailed us. Mike, what stars do the Titans need back? Um, I think Adoree Jackson's the most important one. I, I, I think the offense is moving the ball okay. Um, you know, they could be better. I think A.J. Brown obviously is going to help them a ton when he does get back. But I think Johnny Smith is playing well. Adam Humphreys is playing well. Corey Davis is playing well. Cleef Raymond just had a big game. You've got enough weapons to continue to get by on offense without A.J. Brown. Um for, for, you know, the short term, you know, maybe this week, maybe next week, we'll see uh, when he comes back. But I, I think Jackson would help them a ton in the secondary just because the Titans are so slow uh, in the secondary right now outside of Christian Fulton's got some juice. Um, but besides that, they don't have anybody with any speed back there. Um, and it shows up. I mean, you see Justin Jefferson just absolutely running wild on them uh, in that game. and and that's going to continue to be a problem. I'm afraid as long as Jackson is out. Um, that being said, I mean, they did kind of clamp down uh, a little bit in the second half of that, that Vikings game. I think after the half, their uh, pass defense, uh, I think they only gave up like 50 yards of passing uh, after halftime in that, that Vikings game. So um much better uh, after the break. So hopefully maybe see some of that roll over and, and carry on. I, I don't think, you know, I know Jonathan Joseph's getting a lot of heat uh, and so is Malcolm Butler right now, but I honestly don't think they played quite as bad as it looked uh, on Sunday. They both made some really nice plays as well as giving up some, some catches. Uh, a couple of those catches were just really fantastic plays by the Vikings, but yeah, Dory, Dory Jackson would be a huge boost to this team if he can get back healthy and, and in the lineup. But you need him at, like, full health, Dory Jackson, not some banged up, you know, limping around, carrying a leg version. 
I mean, they they kept Adam Thielen at three for five for 29 yards. And now most of that was uh, because of Malcolm Butler, who kept him one for two for six yards. I mean, they they ate Jonathan Joseph's lunch. According to PFF, he allowed 117 yards, while Malcolm Butler only allowed 54. I mean, 71 of that was on one play. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, they – it was an admirable job. I mean, like – everybody's been waiting for Justin Jefferson to have a breakout game for this team because he was arguably one of the the best receivers that kind of flew under the radar in the 2020 draft class. And to me, like, yeah, it sucks. He got 71 yards on one play and it was, it was kind of a, a bad angle play all the way around bad defensive play all the way around. But I'm more concerned about our rush defense than anything. Now that may be not, but may not be the case for the Steelers game. But our rush defense so far this year, I I may have to throw another apology out there. But kind of missing Jarrell Casey. I mean, like it's 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 kind of noticeable that he's not there. But on the run defense side, like I don't feel like we're missing him on any other aspect of this game of this team except for run defense. Um, but I, I have a question. I'm a caller. I'm calling in. Hello. Uh, first time, long time. How do you stop Juju Smith, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Chase Claypool from just going off if we don't have Adora Jackson back? Do do we have to bracket them? And who do you bracket? I mean, how do you stop those guys who have supreme athleticism at their position? Are you going to hang up I mean, and listen? I- Oh, no, I want to say I'm lying. (laughs) Oh, God, one of these guys. Um, And I'm going to breathe heavily. It's a good question. I mean, it's just um, you've just and it's a simple answer, but I think you just you got to get the corners playing better. I mean, and hopefully maybe Butler's, you know, back fully from that quad issue, whatever it was that that almost uh, knocked him out of week two. I don't You just got to play better. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about guys making plays. And I didn't think, you know, they were necessarily um, awful, like I said, against Minnesota. But you, you can't have the big bust, um, the, the big, long touchdowns, the big, long chunk plays. They've got to limit some of these explosives um, and give the pass rush a little bit of time to get home. That's, that's the thing, too. I think there's been so many – outlets for opposing quarterbacks underneath that that they've just been able to kind of dump the ball down when the, when the pressure does come. So it's hard to get sacks when there's always something open underneath or something available easy to the quarterback to, you know, find. You know, you, you've got to give your pass rush a little bit of time to get home. So the Steelers are rolling into Nissan Stadium on Sunday looking to start 4-0, and and I had to double-check this to make sure it was correct. Uh, the Steelers are looking to get to four and zero for the first time since 1979. So it's quite a, quite a length wow. of time on that one, but uh, Steelers also one of the aforementioned teams that I mentioned at the top of the show of uh, you know, they're also undefeated as well. Um, Steelers, you know, the run game is rolling uh, behind James Connor, but also on the defensive side of the wall, Steelers DS five takeaways in the NFL high 15 sacks. All that being said, the Titans' first three, or excuse me, the Steelers' first three opponents are a combined 0 and 9. So, all of the stats that I mentioned before that, does that play into 
why the Steelers are at three and O is it a little bit overvalued um, or do the Titans have a serious concern specifically with the Steelers defense? I, I think the Steelers defense is good. Let me preface whatever I'm about to say that I do think the Steelers defense is talented, but if you think that the Steelers defense is going to come back there in the backfield under TJ Watt and just sit there and eat our lunch, like a tur- plain Turkey sub from subway, you're sorely mistaken. This team is going to game plan to limit this Steelers defense. They're not just going to sit back there and just let them come tackle them. They're going to game plan for it. Listen, they played Daniel Jones. They played Jeff Driscoll. And then they played Deshaun Watson, who still does not look in sync on this offense uh, with the Houston Texans. And that offensive line is still is not that very good. Three bad offensive lines. Two really bad quarterbacks and an average NFL quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, the Steelers defense should look this good those three first three games, but let's take it with a grain of salt. Now, I also understand that we have not had, by most accounts, an impressive start with our 3 0 either. We played the Broncos, we've played the Jags, and we've now played the Minnesota Vikings. But let me say this I feel like we look like a much more cohesive unit and a better team. I still think Big Ben is struggling a little bit with, a, you know, when he goes out there because of his injury, he's a little, I still think he's a little off. This isn't the Big Ben of old. I know it looked like at times against the the Giants and against the um, Denver Broncos, but you got to remember what those teams actually look like at the time that they play. I am not as worried. I don't, I think a lot of people are chalking up the Steelers as an easy win, but they're coming down on the road. They're coming to us. We're going to have a little bit of fans and I uh, at the stadium. They may be all Steelers fans. I don't know. I, <laughs> they wanted to spend $8,000 on a ticket if, to sit up in the 300 section was one of the prices I saw last week. By all accounts, spend your money and come on down. But give me a break to think that this Steelers team is just going to steamroll this Titans team. I am so out on that. I, I, in our power rankings that comes, that came out on Tuesday, um, on broadwaysportsmedia.com, I'm the only one that has the Steelers out of the top 10. I have them all the way down at 15 because I feel like they're a little bit of frauds, which is insane. That's no, insane. I just <laughs> think other teams are the Steelers better. 15. Yeah. I just think other teams I mean, are better. The, this, the Steelers have played a weak competition. So have the Titans. They're in the same boat there. Um, the Steelers haven't looked terribly convincing either. They The Giants hung right with them. Uh, the same Giants team that just lost to San Francisco's JV squad um, hung right – or I mean got blown out by San Francisco's <laughs> JV squad. Uh, hung right with the Steelers in that uh, – that, oh, the. Uh, a warm-up game for the Titans Broncos uh, game on Monday night football in the opener. Um, and then they beat the Jeff Driscoll Broncos, which was also a close game. And then they beat the Owen three Texans, which was also a close game. And, and in fact, Houston was leading for a good chunk of that, but where I think we do uh, have to be a little bit concerned for the Titans is the Steelers pass rush is unbelievably good out of the top 10 top 10 pass rushers as far as pressures according to pff charting this week the steelers have four of the top 10 
TJ Watt ranks fourth uh, in the NFL with 18 pressures. Bud Dupree ranks fifth uh, with 17. Stephon Tewitt is tied with him at 17. And Cam Hayward has 14, which is ninth. Uh, that is unbelievable production from the Steelers pass rush and the Titans to give them some credit. The Titans pass protection has been very good uh, so far this season. They're in the top 10 among pass protection uh, metrics for um, PFF as well, but no Taylor Lewan means a lot of Bud Dupree uh, against Tyson Brelo. Uh, which is obviously a mismatch. You've already got TJ Watt versus Dennis Kelly, which is a mismatch. It, there's there's some problems. You can't help everybody. So some of these guys for the Titans are going to have to win one-on-one matchups against really good pass rushers. Now, if you can get time to throw the ball, the corners in the secondary for Pittsburgh can be had. Uh, Joe Hayden looks like he's lost a step. They don't really – I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick is a really good player, but besides that, I, you know, I don't know that there's a ton of secondary talent out there for them right now. So there are holes in the defense. It's just that that pass rush is fearsome. And I think the Titans are going to have a really hard time uh, running the ball against this team just because of the physical, powerful nature of, of that front four for, for Pittsburgh. Um, I think this is going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Titans on offense. They need the defense to step up and have a really nice day and keep this in the in the twenties, if it gets out to, you know, Pittsburgh scoring 30 points, uh, like the Titans' last two opponents have, I think the Titans are in trouble. Quickly, Zach, are you concerned about the Titans being able to stop the Steelers run game? Yeah, I, I am concerned until they show me otherwise. Uh, I'll be concerned about the, our run defense until they, they prove it and stop it on the ground. I mean, they're going to have to stop somebody for me to prove it. And I don't know if James Con- if one game of stopping James Conner, who is slightly above average running back, is going to really change my mind. Well, gentlemen, that is going to do it for us. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at the Tennessee Titans at noon on Sunday. This is noon on CBS. And I uh, really appreciate you tuning in as always. Apparently, we are here for Jeff Driscoll body time. Just absolutely here to body Jeff Driscoll. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till Zach has to apologize for that one. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. That is going to do it for us again. Check us out at broadwaysportsmedia.com for more content. Go and grab yourself a premium membership today for Mike Herndon, Zach Lyons, and myself, Michael Gillum. You have been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.